Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. This series on the invisible war, he asked me a couple weeks ago, can you close it out? And I was like, no, I don't want to even touch this thing. You have blown my mind with the whole thing. Even Jaylee was so excited about this whole sermon series that she had some birthday money to spend and she bought us a shield and a sword. So uh, we got to get the, the rest of it, but she's excited. It's also, because we're the pastors, I can do this. She, it is her birthday today. She is six years old, and she's the cutest thing in the world. And there she comes down the aisle to come listen to her mama preach. So happy birthday. I'm sorry I embarrassed you. I know it. And you got your cute jacket on. It's so awesome. It's not a shirt. It's not a jacket. It's a jacket. So if you don't know that, you learned something new today. So let's pray so I stay holy. Father God, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place this morning. But God, I thank you above all that your words will be what is heard and not mine. God, I thank you that I delivered this word the way that you gave it to me. But God, I thank you that it comes with passion. God, I thank you that it ignites something in every person in this room and watching online. We thank you and we praise you for it. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. We love our family online. Do not... Please don't think that we disregard you or don't think we put a lot of work in to make sure that if you're not here and you can watch live at home or watch later or years later, God had you in mind, and that's what's so awesome about it. So I'm going to close out the, the, the series on the invisible war, and, you know, if, like Brian always says, if you're into titles, my title is, Why Do I Even Pray? Question mark. There are a, a lot of things that we do, but meeting with people... Uh, comes comes pretty high up there in certain situations. We're building a team so more people, because as this church has gotten well over 400 people, we cannot meet with everybody. And so, um, but a lot of times what I hear out of people's mouth is when they're going through a situation or they have faced situations, they said, they'll say, why did I even pray? Why did I even pray about it? And then it's followed with, because I prayed about it and nothing happened. I prayed about it and nothing happened. In times in my life where I've been frustrated and I, and I used to do this thing, I don't do it anymore, but Brian would try to encourage me and I'd be like, don't Pastor Brian me right now. I don't need a scripture. I'm frustrated. He's like, well, you need Jesus. That's what I do know you need, you know. But in that moment, I knew the scripture. I understood what the word said, but I didn't know how to get to where I needed to be. We have a lot of self-help books out there, which are awesome. If you know us as a church, we find it vitally important for you to have emotional health. Um, you need spiritual health. If you need a book that's good for both, emotionally healthy spirituality will change your life. It's a book we pretty much go through once a year. Anybody that has sang up here or led up here has gone through some part of that. Why? Because that is part of what we make sure that the people giving out are healthy. And it is something that I feel that lacks in a lot of the body of Christ because we have taught people to slap a scripture on something instead of actually understanding what the scripture means. Just because you couldn't run a touchdown didn't mean you needed to say, well, I can do all things through Christ, and that's what that scripture was written for. You can say it, but you're taking so much out of this very rich word and slapping it on a moment of gratification that you need or a moment that you want to feel good about yourself. So why do we even pray? Why, why do we do this? Well, the last scripture, after we, we have read everything about the armor, and after we have read everything, this is what we read in Ephesians 6, 18. 
So pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers. Not only for you, but for all believers everywhere. At word, stay alert. Be watchful. Be aware. I've heard people say, well, I don't know where this came from. Like, we were just like, everything was fine, and then all hell broke loose. Well, yeah, because that's what hell does. It breaks loose on people. That's its job is to, is to come at you. That's its job is to try to take you out. If the enemy can't take you out to be bad, he will then condemn you for all the good you're doing. What do I mean by that? That he'll make you feel like you're not a good enough Christian. Everything you've been doing is not enough. When God says, I just require for you to be my son and daughter and receive everything that I have for you. And in doing that, in that love relationship, something begins to shift. But I prayed and nothing happened. Well, maybe this is the situation is you're not realizing, and I want you to write this down, prayer doesn't solve your problem, it shifts your perspective. You're looking for something to solve your problem. So when you went into prayer and God didn't strike that person down with lightning that ticked you off because your problem did not go away, all of a sudden, why, I don't even know why I prayed, nothing happened. I like Bill Johnson says this, if you ask me what I ate last Saturday for breakfast, I have no idea. But I know that it nourished me. And he said, that's my same answer to people that say, if you're not getting some massive revelation every week, why are we reading the Bible? Because I know it's nourishing me. It's doing something. At some point, it's being used somewhere that I'm not aware of. It's opening me up to, to know something. So it's the same thing with prayer. Prayer is not there to solve your problems. It's there to shift your perspective. What do I mean? I'm so glad you're asking. Prayer is to be prayed in all conditions of life, adversity, prosperity, sunshine, desolation, under sore temptation, under duty, under heavy trial, under all the changing circumstances of life, personal, social, Christian. There's an old hymn that says this, go when the morning shineth, go when the noon is bright, go when the day declineth, go in the hush of the night. That prayer is to be used at all times, not for, and, I, and, and as a pastor, this is something that frustrates me, is you don't ever pray, and then all of a sudden hell begins to break loose, and you want me to fix it, but you've not prayed for years, but all of a sudden you're calling everybody you know, and, oh, no, no. and it's like, if you will pray in the morning, in the night, in the desolate, any of these times, and you keep a communion with God, when hell begins to come, you're alert, you're awake, and you see it. And you go to your prayer closet or you go to your place to pray and you say, okay, God, what, what, I don't know how this problem is going to be fixed, but I, I need to see a new perspective. Philippians 1, 12 through 14, which Paul again, what I love is we have been reading about him in prison and all this stuff he says and then he says this and he's in prison in this actual occasion too. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's in jail. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word now without fear. What happened? He shifted his perspective. What was his problem? He was chained in prison. What was his perspective? People are chained in this prison spiritually, and I'm here to set them free. 
I am not going to look at my chains. I'm going to start thinking about the people that are changed, and I'm going to start seeing what can I do. What He couldn't solve the problem, which if he prayed, God, get me out of here, this was part of what God had lined out. What in your life, and I'm not talking about death. I am not talking about sickness and disease. I'm going to make that very clear. God does not use that to teach you a lesson. What God does is turn anything bad for good, but he does not use anything that has to do with kill, uh, death, kill, and destroy to do anything to you. We're going to make that very clear in this place and online. What he does is he turns around what the enemy means to come to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he says, no, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring life into this situation. Where the enemy thought you would give up, I'm going to breathe and you're going to actually do more in this condition than you ever would have done before. So when people begin to see that, they go, oh, well, that must have been God. No, it's God's ability to turn things around. So here is Paul. He's in prison, and he's saying, wait a second. I, I can shift the way that I, I can see something different. There's something I need to see in this place. I think sometimes we pray. It doesn't need to be why, but our prayer needs to be, okay, then I'm going to shift it to when. Why isn't it not happening now? Well, maybe it's when God has it planned, so I'm going to pray that way. Maybe instead of praying about what, you pray to who. Because I think so many times our mindset in prayer is to come out with everything the way we want it to be done. If God answered four of the prayers that I prayed for men that I was dating, I would not be here today. Thank God he ignored my cries of desperation. They weren't everything on my list that I wrote when I was 15 years old because Josh McDowell said that's the way to do it. So I wrote a list and I kept it in my wallet. But as the years begin to roll by, that list, it was like, well, I mean, is that totally necessary? Does he have to be in youth ministry? Does he have to have really muscular arms? Maybe that's just selfish, you know? Maybe I shouldn't care that, that he has that, you know? Does he have to do this as this... And, and I remember getting to that place. And if you're having to pray for somebody to like you, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Okay? I mean, that, I wish that book, He's Just Not That Into You, would have been out way before then. I've been like, oh, that's what's happening. Okay. Wow. So, um, yeah, my self-esteem was through the roof when I was younger, let me tell you. And, and so I, I, in these situations, and I, I wanted to, to start just erasing certain parts that I thought, and God said, I, I gave you the desires that you have. See, we read that scriptures, God will give me the desires of my heart, so we go, ooh, I want a Land Rover, so I'm going to pray about that. Oh, I want this. And what God is saying is the desires that you have to be a mother and yet you've not birthed a child, I put that in there, and I wouldn't put in something that I'm not going to give. That desire that you have to marry a youth pastor with really good-looking arms and all the other stuff you wrote about, I'm going to give you. But you have to hold fast. I mean, you are the, you know, most ravishing hunk of male flesh I've ever seen. So I love it. You know, it's just, it's just, that's for me. So somebody else has agreed. So that's great. It was a guy, so I'm not sure, but it's okay. But if you ladies would have screamed, you would have been in trouble with me. So I get it. No one knows what to do on that sheet. They're like, yay. Just celebrate the fact that I'm head over heels in love. There you go. All right. So it's like, what do we do with that part? <laughs> but I, I held on to what I know that, that, that what I wanted and not based on, on preconceived ideas because of social media and what everybody else, but was in my heart what the desires that God had already set in place. The desire that I wanted to be a youth pastor, and so I wanted to marry another youth pastor so we could be youth pastors together. 
And what God begins to do is in prayer, it can begin to, my problem was not being married, but the perspective that he brought was maybe it's just not time. But we have to go in these moments of prayer if we're going to receive what we need. And I think so many times we're going into prayer and we don't hear an answer or we don't hear God's voice. We just, we throw our hands up and that's it. We never revisit that again. So many of us have never taken the most traumatic experiences that we've walked out. We've never taken those to the Lord and say, okay, I need you to show me where you were here. I need to see that. I need to understand where you were at in the midst of this situation. Because there are going to be things in life that we don't have answers to. And a lot of the reasons why I don't think we show up for prayer is this. Prayer has to be fueled by faith and not by feelings. The majority of the time, you will not feel like praying. I don't always feel like praying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, leave the church if you have to. I'm just being honest. I don't always feel like praying. I don't wake up and go, I don't wake up as a morning person. I don't wake up nice. Brian said, how did you sleep last night? He startled me. I yelled at him this morning. I said, why would you even do that to somebody in the morning? And the man was trying to say good morning. But I'm so, asking my sisters, I'm so angry in the morning. And I don't know why. I go to bed so happy. I tell myself, there's no reason to wake up angry. You have a great life. And I wake up and I'm just like, ah, I don't know what it is. Might be the fact that I haven't slept in nine months. And don't send me. It doesn't matter. I've done it all. Okay. There's just some babies that don't sleep. I'm just convinced of that. Doesn't you, you can try everything. Our, our Jaylee, phenomenal sleeper, 12 hours, like that. This one, whoo, she's just having the glory. And, and she cries out when a song stops. So we have worship music going as soon, because it's like you got to keep it going. So we got to figure out how to get Alexa to quit stopping the songs. Because she stops, she, uh, and then starts hearing Jaira. And she's like, mm. and then totally fine. But when you have that all night long <laughs> for seven hours, <laughs> it's not exciting. But it's adorable but it makes me angry. Okay. So I, I realized that a lot of the times the reason I was so frustrated was I was not going into prayer with any faith. I was going into prayer thinking I had to feel like praying in order for it to be a good prayer. But faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence that nothing is seen. So maybe the evidence is you don't even want to pray. Maybe the evidence is you don't think God's going to do anything. But by faith, you're going to go and pray anyways. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I can't please him without faith. And how we think we are making it through this life without prayer. I think the average, I think the average is that Christian, not non-Christians, non-Christians even pray. Because they do in the moment where all hell breaks loose. But I feel like there's a lot more Christians that are living that way nowadays too. You don't hear them talk about God. You don't hear them say anything about God till a bad diagnosis or anything like that. And I'm not saying that God is so amazing. Thank God he doesn't think like me. And, and he shows up because I'd be like, well, you should have been praying, you know. And I know that's so wrong and I'm working on myself. But, you know, you have these moments. And, but, but God is so gracious and so wonderful. But what hurts me the most is when they get what they, they, they see a miracle or they see something, then all of a sudden you don't see him anymore. All of a sudden they got what they want. He's not a genie. He's not somebody that you get these wishes and this is it and, and this is what it looks like. It's, it's daily communion. And I think the average time is three minutes a day. And listen, I, I just, I don't know if that's enough. I know a marriage could not sustain. If I was only talking to Brian three minutes a day, it wouldn't be sustained. 
You see in the word of God all the time the relationship between us and him. He models it after a marriage. And, and so much of the problem comes is we are not looking at this as a covenant. We are not looking at this as a relationship with God. We are not looking like we like like prayer has got to be this thing. And and listen, this is not an exciting message. I understand that because a lot of people they think they've heard about prayer. But when's the last time you begin to allow God to shift things in your life because you prayed? When was the last time depression began to lift because you prayed? When was the last time you saw a miracle take place because you took time to pray? I, I'm praying, you know, over a night of sleep, and that's what I'm doing. I say, God, your word says that you give your beloved sweet rest. So I speak it over her. I speak that there's peace in this room and she has rest, and I'm going to keep speaking it till she has it. And I think so many times we give up when we don't have the problem solved in one day. Well, I prayed and God didn't do it. Well, well, maybe give us some time. Maybe actually, well, why does God need time? Because he's working some things out in you, that's why. Because he knows what you're going to have to believe for five years from now. So if everything came so quickly, you would not have the stamina to stand and believe when hell comes with something bigger. Understand God is building your faith. They don't send military. You know, what's very interesting in this day is why Paul was writing the way that he wrote. Is when you study it out, every, everybody in the Roman Empire had to serve. And so what he was saying was, I'm trying to give you an understanding that you are serving in the kingdom of heaven, but we are at war and we are at battle and you have to be ready. And when you look at the word of God and you see what he's trying to do, what he's stirring in you is that you've got to be prepared to fight you have to be prepared for when the enemy comes. But I think we question so much, will God come through? And my question to you is, will you keep praying no matter what you see? And I don't think a lot of times we will. And I've been there. I've been mad. I've told God, I don't think it mattered how good, how, how good I was. I'm still, things aren't working out the way I wanted. And he told me, when was this ever about your works, Alicia? When was this ever about you doing it right, meant you weren't going to face anything? Because here's the honest truth. I didn't think I'd be the person miscarrying. Why? Because I saved myself for marriage. So in my Christian mind, and I'm just going to be very honest with you, the people that miscarried, I automatically assumed when I was younger, they must have opened a door and did something wrong. So when I did it right and it happened, I had to shift something and realize, wait a second. I have judged people based on the enemy's attack on their life. And yet the same attack is coming to me and I dotted my I's and I crossed my T's and I'm dealing with the same stuff. Why? Because the enemy does not play fair. The enemy doesn't care how much you love God or how much you don't love God. He just wants to keep you from him. And if he can get you to question him or if he can keep you from ever knowing his love, that's his agenda. So when my theology began to get flipped... Because that's what we were taught. Something bad happened. You opened a door. No. Show me that in the word of God biblically. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, to breathe life and to breathe it abundantly. So the same God that I cried out to in that room was the same God that knew the promise that was at hand. He had saw both of my children in the moment I was seeing one leave. And here is the bottom line. The enemy still doesn't win. The enemy still doesn't win. Why? Because death didn't take that baby completely away. We will be reunited one day. There will be a baby when I stand up in heaven that will run towards all of us and will say, that's my mom, that's my dad. 
And I say that to you to realize that even when the enemy tries to convince you that he's won, he still hasn't. He didn't get them. Our loved ones that we miss, my dad who's in heaven, and just to clarify, I went to go visit my real dad. So when he said, I saw half of the people when Brian was like, she's going on a trip to visit her dad, there was people going, I thought he was dead. I was like, what kind of weird stuff is she doing? So I went to go visit my real dad. I was taking Jay to go visit them and my stepmom. That's where I was at. So my dad, who was, he was my stepdad, but he was my dad. He raised me since I was five, poured into me. You know, my, my parents, they made me who I am. I'm a preacher because they were both preachers. I'm a preacher because that man handed me a mic when I was five and a half years old and said, go ahead, tell the world. You preach, chicky, preach. That's what he called me because my first prayer language was chickama, chickama, chickama. So he called me chicky for my whole life. Yeah. Kat gave me a birthday card yesterday and it said chicky on it because she's the only one out of the family who still calls me that. I... I I look at these situations that we have all faced, we've all gone through, and I think we're trying to figure them out instead of praying about them. I think we're trying to figure out, what did I do wrong? Did I not give enough? Did I not do this? And God's like, just bring it in prayer. Bring it to me. And sometimes I don't think we realize how strong we really are. Because if I go into prayer Based on faith and not a feeling, something begins to happen. You know, about eight weeks ago, I, I started on just a journey of really just committing to working out and really committing to what that was going to look like for me. I've dealt with insecurities a lot my whole life. I've dealt with just, you know, uh, right before we got married, I drank Slim Fast shakes for like two weeks and got the smallest I ever was. Not healthy whatsoever, okay? And so, I mean, if you do Slim Fast, it's great, but that's all I was drinking. It was like one. So it was like, I was like dying, you know? No, not really. But it was just, you know, I had this mindset I had to look a certain way, you know? And so I've just faced a lot of that growing up, and I was kind of bullied in school, and just so a lot of stuff I had to just kind of walk through. And so I was squatting the other day, and he said, I think it's time for you to go up. And I was like, no, it's not. He was like, well, it doesn't seem hard anymore. I was like, well, you're, you do your thing. I'm fine. I said, I'll add five extra pounds. He was like, oh, my gosh, Alicia, you got to add at least 10. I said, you, you shut your mouth. You don't tell me. And so, I mean, I said it nicely, but, uh, well, I guess I said it like that, but I said it in a nice tone. And I was like, <laughs> it was a friendly conversation. And I said, I'm going to do, you just let me do what I'm doing. So I go downstairs, and I'm like, okay, tonight's the night, you know. And I was like, it's fine. I'll just put 10 on there. So I did it. And I squatted, and I squatted seven of them, and I thought I was going to fall over. And I was like, man, I, this kind of stinks. I thought I was stronger than that. Well, all of a sudden, I looked, and instead of putting 25s on each side, I put 45s. I ran up the stairs. I was like, babe. He's like, I told you. He's like, instead of going up 20 pounds, you went up 65 pounds. And I was like, I didn't know I could do that. He said, it's mental. When I was walking back down the stairs, God said, this is the problem. People don't pray because they don't realize how strong their prayers are. It, it, they, they actually don't realize. And when they actually start to do it, things begin to shift. The, the emotions that they haven't been able to shift, the, the situations they've been dealing with, they haven't been able to let go begin to shift. You know, when we come in and worship together, the reason we're encouraging guys, I don't need you to worship harder to make me feel better as a worship leader. I tell our team all the time, it will never be about that. Because a crowd participation cannot equal God participation. Because there are way better crowds at football games that you're ever, than you're ever going to see. I mean, God, I pray one day we will. You know, I mean, I would, but I don't want y'all without your shirts on and like reach worship and like, yeah, you know. So that would be weird. So keep that down. But just the excitement of coming. I mean, you just think about it. If you came in every day, 
I read this book, and, and the guy said, what if we showed up to church every day like we were meeting our groom on our wedding day? Because he is. We're the bride of Christ. What if we showed up every day with that anticipation, that excitement? What, I'm, what? Do you remember that day, ladies, when you, it was just like, I mean, you wanted to vomit, but you were so excited? You got your dress on, but then you had to pee? You know, it's just like there was just so much going on, you know, and you're like, my bad. I should have thought of this before, but you can't think of anything. And then people show you the video, you don't even remember what happened at your wedding. You know, there's, so, there's moments, but there's an anticipation that's beautiful. What if we showed up every Sunday like that? Anticipating the presence of God. And there's something corporately that begins to happen when you begin to worship because sometimes there's people in the room and, and they're dealing with suicidal thoughts. But as we begin to worship, something begins to shift in the room. People's faith begins to build. Why is that? Because all of a sudden we begin to corporately worship and corporately declare who God is and there's strength in that. You know, there's this thing called reindeer cycling. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And what the reindeers do is they begin to do this um, to make it almost impossible for the hunter to be able to hit the one it's trying to hit. And I think there's something so powerful. When I saw this, I thought to myself, when we worship and we begin to contend and we begin to pray, all of a sudden the enemy's so confused about who he was trying to take out in this room. Because all of a sudden we're in one accord. See, why they saw what they saw in the upper room is because they were of one accord. But maybe what you don't know is they started with 500, and by the time it got to it, only 100, and I don't remember the exact, so 100 and something were the ones that actually saw it happen. Almost 400 people left. Instead of knowing when we do this and we corporately begin to, to press in and we corporately begin to pray, the enemy forgets who he's trying to take out. That's why sometimes in your worship, maybe you're not fighting for you today in your worship. Maybe you weren't contending for yourself today in worship. You were contending for the person across the aisle that, that's ready to take their life. But as you begin to worship, something begins to spark in them because, you know, it, it's, it's contagious. Excitement in worship is contagious. Ephesians 6, 18, in the Message Bible says this, pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. If people text you and say, please pray for me, I encourage you, please do it. You can even ask our, our, our six-year-old that if somebody sends us a text, and this is how good she's at this now, if somebody sends us, like our team will send us, if somebody emails in a prayer request, say, hey, we need to be praying about this, or this is what's going on, we stop immediately and begin to pray. So even the other day, we were talking about something, and Jay goes, we need to pray. And we're like, yeah. Well, when we get home, she's like, we need to pray right now in the car. It was like she knew, no, we take this opportunity, and we pray right now. We don't wait. We don't throw up a flippant God, I just pray. No, we pray right now, and we pray because we come into agreement. Because for that person and what they're facing, it's major. I want to encourage you to find yourself in prayer. And I'm going to spend a little, bit, a little bit of time on the third point. It won't be because I've been wanting to get to this. And Brian, it's so he, doesn't, he didn't even know my message, and I love that he even mentioned this this morning. But I want you to write this down. Prayer is a posture, not a position. And he brought up Mary coming into that room. And I want to, I want to bring this home in the sense that Mary did not have a position to be in that room. That's why when you read in the scripture, they all were wondering, why is she even in here? Because she held no position. People will ask us to pray about something, and that's fine as long as you're asking us to pray in agreement. But if you think because we're pastors, we have more of a position to pray and ask for something than you do, you are, you are confused. 
Because we don't, we don't have like pastor Holy Ghost spirit. And then there are congregants Holy Ghost spirit. And then there's children Holy Ghost spirit. And as you go up the tier, and there are some leaders that lead that way. And I'm very sorry if you were ever led by those types of leaders. Because that's not how Jesus modeled anything. What, what it is, is it's the same Holy Spirit. So I can come into agreement, but my prayer does not shift heaven more than yours does. In all honesty, your desperation, your cries, your, your tears move heaven more than it's ever going to move me. And you're going to pray with more of a fervency because you're the one walking through it. I had people align and pray with me for babies, but the people longing for the babies the most were me and Brian. Yes, our friends wanted it, and yes, they were contending, but my cries were like a groan. There was something deep in there. And I had to bring it in the moments of frustration. I had to bring it in the moments of anger. And God's okay with that. He's not, he is not afraid of your anger or your questions. He says, bring them, seek me, knock. Knock and the door will be open. Keep asking. And so many times we don't even take the chance. You guys ever play that game when you were a kid? You ring the doorbell and run away? I feel like that's how we pray sometimes. All right, I don't know. I don't even want to know if he's going to open the door or answer me. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to thank you, Jesus, I'm going to run. And you don't even get anything. The excitement that you ran away. My thing is we're missing out on the moment where he actually brings a perspective that we've needed that has shifted everything. I told you guys when we were believing God for Jaylee and we were praying, this, this lady, Rachel Hicks, an amazing, prophetic woman of God, walks over to me and I'm like, this is it. I'm getting a word from the Lord today. She had already prayed over my womb, so I knew it was coming. She whispered into my ear, God knows your child's birthday. And my head said, that's it? I mean, I know that. He knows the end from the beginning. No, but here was the thing. God, I hadn't really grabbed a hold of that perspective that that's why nothing's happening. It can't yet because the birthday's not ready. He knows when she has to be born. He knew her birthday. He knows the end of the beginning. So here's, here's my question to you. You're, you are dealing with something. You are facing situations. Wouldn't you want to be in the room with the person that knows how it all ends? Wouldn't you want to pray with the one that knows when it's all going to figure itself out? Wouldn't you want to pray in the room with the guy that knows when you're getting that house or when that spouse is coming? Don't, don't you, or, or when that miracle financial breakthrough or that healing, don't you want to be in the room with that guy? But so many times we keep ourselves with this person, the only person that we know that walks around with us all the time, and it's the flesh side of us that just keeps doubting everything that God has said in his word. So to shut that person up, I have to get in the room with God where he says, now listen, I have all this worked out. I need you to trust me. The word posture means it's a particular way of dealing with or considering something. It's an approach or an attitude. You can have a position and your posture still be off. I was on a high dive one time, 12 years old, and I was pumped because I had figured out how to do a backflip. So I decided I could do it on the high dive because I knew how to position myself. But I forgot the posture of when to turn. So off the high dive I go, kept my eyes closed. If I would have opened it, I would have seen that I was seeing the sky and not the water. My posture could have changed <laughs> very quickly. I slapped that water so hard. We were at a huge place. No one was talking when I came up out of the water. And I screamed. <laughs> I mean, my back was so beat red. I had my position right in the beginning, but I forgot the rest of the posture. 
when I was giving birth, I'm not going to get, okay, so all the men, don't freak out right now. My sister was like, you can't talk about birth. <laughs> I was like, it's a natural thing. doesn't mean I'm going to show you a picture, okay? So let's just be real, okay? There are things that are natural. Peeing is natural, but I'm not going to do it in front of you, okay? So just, you know, sometimes I think we get a little, a little weird about some things, okay? So I'm just going to leave it there. I don't want to upset anybody, but let's, come on. And they kept telling me this position that I needed to be in that was causing so much pain that after I had the baby, I went and read about how my posture could have been and how it could have gotten over part of the birth pains. It would still have been painful, but had I shifted my posture, something would have changed. Are you dealing with pain in situation that if you shift your posture, something would give? Something would change. And that, that's what I challenge you with. You know, we, everything that we do, every, every speaker we have here or we speak is we want it to make it applicable for you to take it home. And what do you do? So what are you going to do this week? I just want you to pray. I, I don't want you to look for all your problems to be solved. But I do want you to ask God where he is in the problem. Where is he working on the problem? Can you give me a perspective that I can see? And don't go in based on feeling. Right now, you might feel like, okay, like we would finish these youth encounters where kids are like snotting everywhere and crying. We've been worshiping for four hours, and they're like, I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. every day before school and spend time with the Lord. No, you're not. You're just not. I can promise you, I know, you just got, you're on a high right now. You are in this. You're feeling it right now. But what I need you to do is make a commitment based on faith and not feelings. That due to who God is, I'm going to be faithful to show up to pray to him and to believe. And I know that it's not a positional thing. It's, it, it's posture. It's why when she came in, she was not invited, but her posture let her stay there. Her getting on her knees before the, before the Lord. You know, in our house, we have a scripture, Isaiah 50. Verse 4, it hangs in our bathroom as big as you can see. It's the first thing we see every day and the last thing we see at night. And it says, the Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. That is our prayer. I cannot solve everybody's problems. I cannot heal anybody. I cannot restore anybody. But I can allow the, the wisdom of God to speak into my ear every single day to bring comfort to the weary. Sometimes we're going into prayer and it's not for us. It's for a situation we're going to run into later that week for someone else. That there's something else that we are going to, to need his words for. And we can have all of the armor on. But then Paul ends that with, but pray in the spirit at all times and every occasion. Do I mean walk around? No, it's being in that mindset that if God is speaking to you wherever you're at, the grocery store, the car, the bathroom, the living room, you are so aware of his presence. Brian doesn't have a speaking at all times. That's a, he doesn't have a time slide is the only time he's allowed to call me in the day. All right, I'm going to let you know. Your time during the day is you can call me between 4.30 and 5. You call me any other time, I'm not answering. You call me after that, I'm not answering, and we do that to God. We have our quiet times, and then he's shut out the rest of the day. He is shut out, and God's saying, I want this to be a relationship, not a religion. This is, this is more about being in, in proximity with me, 
being in my presence, hearing my voice, knowing who I am. But we allow so many of our feelings, I really feel like that's the biggest one. Our feelings really stop us from digging in. We feel like he didn't show up. We feel like he let us down. Well, then take that to him. I challenge you. God, why did this happen to me? Bring it to him. And he can show you where the enemy meant to destroy you. He can show you where he was working out everything for your good. God, we pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts. God, we ask for you to rekindle the the fire, the flame. Resurrection. Resurrection flows through our veins. God, may we act like it. God, may we pray like resurrection flows through our veins, God. God, I ask you to touch every individual in this place this morning. That, God, they have a passion for prayer. They have a passion to be in your presence. They have a passion to hear your voice. God, we need a praying church, not a pretty church. God, we need a passionate church, God. God, we don't need a petty church. God, I pray that you ignite fires in this room this morning, that God, you rekindle those flames that maybe have gone dim. And and God, I thank you that we don't have to start over, we just start. We start now in seeking you and praying and believing and hearing your voice above every other voice. That every other voice be silenced, God, and it be your voice that we hear above all else. If you're in this room this morning and man, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life. Or maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus. Because there's always two types of people, those that have and those that haven't, but sometimes we've walked away. And there's just that, man, I just need to, I need to rekindle this thing. I need to stamp this thing that he is Lord of my life. If that's you in this place, I just want you to raise your hand so that I can see this morning. And you're saying, I want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ this morning to serve him with everything. God, we thank you and praise you for who you are. God, I ask you to continue to pour into this church. God, I know that you have so much in store for us, so God, let us be prepared for what that is. God, I don't want our prayer life to keep us from what you have because we're not ready. So God, I pray that we be alert, we be watchful, we be ready. And God, we're not ready because we've watched 18 YouTube videos on how things are going to end. But God, because we went in our prayer closet and we heard directly from the Spirit of God. That God, we don't go off of other man's words. God, we go off of your word. And because we've been in your presence and we've been with you, we know God and we are capable. You could have sent this church into this world at any time, but you chose for us to be here at this time now for such a time as this. So God, we say use us. Use us, God. Come on, if you believe that in this place, if you really believe God can use us, can you shout amen? Amen. Come on, he's a good God. Amen.